The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 208 of the podcast. Are you joining me live on YouTube and possibly Facebook? Because from what I understand, there are errors going on with Facebook Live, some kind of glitch. I don't know. Stuff that's over my head. And uh, I can't take time to worry about it because it's not my style to worry. Today is Sunday, September 13th. Of course, we're coming off of the 19th anniversary of September 11th and uh, a lot of people sharing some interesting thoughts and um, some very sad memories, of course. Um, it, it was an important day in my life because I was living in New York at the time I was in high school and um, it inspired me years later to become a firefighter, to be one of those people who was running in while everybody else was running out. So, of course, we never forget the uh, the brave deeds that took place on that day. And uh, it, it's always nice to see, you know, people sharing their experiences. Everybody always remembers where they were, what they were doing on that day. Um, and it's a day that changed American history forever, so it's very important. Anyway, um, if you can't tell, I'm solo today. Uh, I guess everybody's watching football. Um, not my thing anymore. I used to be really into football, big New York Giants fan. Um, but it just became too time-consuming for me. Because um, you, you can't just watch the Giants. You know, you have to watch and see, make sure the Cowboys lose. And then you have to make sure the Eagles lose. And then, you know, if you like another quarterback on another team, before you know it, you spent 15 hours of your Sunday uh, watching football and drinking beer. Um, so <laughs> it, it got to a point where my Sundays became just recapping MMA from the day before. And that's been my life for the past uh, four plus years or so. So I'm sitting here having a little tequila, thinking about the events of UFC Fight Night. 177 UFC on Vegas number 10 uh, whatever you want to call it and I have to start off by saying Billy fucking Quarantello stealing the show um, no secret Billy's a buddy of mine we, we've trained together he trains right here in Tampa greasy Tampa South got in there last night against Kyle Nelson a uh, tough guy from Canada who was very confident going into this fight against Billy uh, said he was going to knock him out in the first round, said Billy's just a survivor. And, uh, you know, he didn't really bring anything to the table. I, I, I guess he's eating those words today because, yeah, you know, Billy put him unconscious. So, I, so happy for Billy Quarantella. I've been around this sport a long time, a really long time. And I can honestly tell you, I have met very few people who work as hard as Billy Quarantello. 
And not only does he work hard, he just brings an energy to the gym, like a positive energy that's kind of hard to describe. And Kyle Nelson was half right. Billy is a survivor. Uh, typically, he's been, I guess you would say, a slow starter in his fights. Um, you know, he takes a little while to warm up uh, in the process. You know, it's a cage fight. In the process, he has taken some damage, but he's shown to be durable. Uh, he's never been submitted. Uh, and now he's 15-2 and two with uh, nine finishes and two of them in the UFC. So I, I would call it four in a row in the UFC if you count the contender series uh, and three of those finishes. So if any of you guys in the featherweight division are, are still thinking that Billy Quarantello is not a killer, um, I, I don't know what to tell you anymore. Uh, you know, you got to be on the lookout for this guy. I expect he's probably going to be fighting a ranked opponent next uh, after a performance like that. It was, it was really awesome to see him uh, put things together the way he did. He looked great, put on a little bit of muscle for this fight. Uh, I scored the first two rounds for him, but again, I'm biased. Uh, the first round was close. I, I did see on social media a couple people scoring it for Kyle Nelson, and I, I could see them making that argument. I scored it for Billy. And um, the the second round, obviously, was all Billy, and, and that's when Kyle broke uh, and was in that second round when Billy got him down on the ground and landed those last couple of elbows right at the end of the second round. Um, it, it looked like Kyle didn't want to be in there anymore. And it's hard to describe if you've never been in a fight or you've never grappled or, or never done any kind of combat sports. It, it's difficult to describe the feeling of, of not wanting to go with somebody anymore where you just feel like you have nothing left and they just keep coming. That's a scary feeling. And to do it on the biggest uh, combat sports stage in the world in the UFC has got to be even scarier. So Billy came out in the third round and and earlier in the fight, he was trying to land a big overhand right, some big haymakers. But he came out in the third round right away, fainted a jab and then a one two right down the pipe. And that's what did it. Um, probably a broken orbital or, or at least a broken nose for Kyle Nelson, I would guess. But just a straight right down the pipe, beautiful punch. Uh, you know, landed it flush right on the nose. And what he did was he called it a pump fake. He fainted the jab, which caused Kyle to parry. Uh, for those of you who don't know what parry is, it's basically a way you block a punch by swatting it away with your hand. Now, what you don't want to do is parry too far. You want to make a, a, a short uh, precise movement because if you move your hand too far, obviously your hand's not covering your face anymore. And that's what happened. He fainted the jab and then he threw the one two, and Kyle dropped his hand and, you know, Billy found the, found the path to his nose and, and put him out. It was the number six play on the ESPN plays of the week. And I'm so happy for him because I know that was a, a life dream of his to, to be on the UFC, the uh, ESPN top plays because he always watched ESPN as a kid. So awesome. It didn't get him a fucking bonus though. Uh, which was the, the biggest travesty of the night. I mean, I know there were a lot of exciting fights, but 
for me, uh, Billy's finish was the most exciting and I know I'm biased. Um, you guys don't need to call me out on that. I'll admit to it. Uh, but come on, it, it makes the, the ESPN plays of the week and, and it doesn't get a, a performance of the night bonus. It seems a little strange to me, but in any case, still so happy for Billy Quarantello, uh, friend of the show, of course. And, um, I can't wait to talk to him. Last time he was on the podcast, he talked about drunk grappling Rashad Evans in a hotel hallway in the middle of the night. Um, after, after, uh, one of his last fights, uh, if you guys didn't hear that story, go to YouTube, uh, there's a highlights playlist and, and you can go right there. And I, I, I've cut up the story to, to just be that part of the episode and you can go check that out. But congratulations, Billy Quarantello. Uh, so happy for him with, um, huge win, huge win on a big platform, opened up the main card. And um, I, I got to imagine there's going to be a ranked opponent for him next. And I also have to imagine he's going to be ready for it. So awesome night. Um, before I get into the rest of this card, I have an announcement. MMA on the Rocks sweatshirts are now available. I'll show it here for those of you watching the video. Our, our friends at Team Reaper, Rip Life One, uh, I've put out hoodies. Uh, you know, it's getting to be fall weather out there, so everybody loves a nice hoodie. I don't have much use for it myself right now because it's still in the 90s here in Florida, but I know it's starting to cool off in other parts of the country. If you want to grab yourselves MMA on the Rocks hoodie, I will throw the link in the show notes here, and uh, I'll post it up on my social media at MMA on the Rocks. Uh, we also still have the T-shirts available. I'll click on that real quick. So the hoodies are like a light gray. They're 50% cotton, 50% fleece. Uh, I can't tell you what they feel like yet because even I haven't gotten one. So if uh, <laughs> if you order one, you might get it before me. And uh, you can let me know how it is. So that's that. And, uh, of course, our T-shirts are still available over the top, under the influence, the way we like to keep it on this show. And that's that, folks. So that's that's it. That's all we have for announcements here. I'm sipping on some Maestro Dobel tequila. My buddy Ryan uh, and his girlfriend Rachel brought over last night. Very graciously. Uh, this stuff is so smooth. I'm drinking it neat here. No ice, no lime, nothing. Just straight tequila. It, it even has like a little bit of a vanilla flavor to it but i kind of taste vanilla and everything i don't have a weird palate that way i guess in any case let's talk some more fights folks ufc fight night 177 it was headlined by michelle waterson and angela hill okay so from what i understand there was some heat going into this fight because Apparently, Michelle Waterson made it known that she supports Donald Trump and Angela Hill supports Joe Biden. This is the, the very bare bones of this that I've that I've gotten from this. And um, I, I saw a lot of heat on social media based on this. You know, I, I saw more so heat towards uh the karate hottie where people were saying they can't wait to see her get beat up because um because she supports donald trump now myself personally 
I can't imagine wanting to see another human being get hurt because of who they're voting for. Um, that's just not a thought that would ever enter my mind. Um, you, you know, we, we live in a democracy and we're, we're stuck with this two party system. The choices we have are the choices we have. And you have to pick one or the other. And some people are going to pick one guy and other people are going to pick the other guy. And everybody has their reasons for doing so. And I don't think you should wish violence on somebody uh, for who they want to vote for. But that's just me. And, and hey, if it helps add a little bit of excitement to the event for you uh, to root against somebody for you know, whatever reason, then fine. You know, if it's all just... If it's all just in good fun, I mean, Michelle and Angela were able to shake hands after the fight, so hopefully there's no hard feelings there. This was a close fight. It looked like Angela Hill was going to run away with it. She was pressuring Michelle Waterson. She was in her face. She busted her up, gave her a hematoma uh, over her left temple at the end of the first round. Uh, you know, she was she really did a lot of damage. Then Michelle Waterson came back. She started using her grappling in the third and fourth rounds, and she stole those rounds. I think uh, pretty much anybody I've talked to had it two to two going into the fifth round. And the fifth round was very close. It was very back and forth. Angela Hill landed a little bit more, but Michelle Waterson threw more flurries, and she was selling it a little bit more. You know, she was yelling as she was hitting her, like making noise getting the attention of the judges and you know, that little bit was all the difference in my opinion. Um, when they read that it was a split decision for Michelle Watterson, I was not surprised. I don't think it was a robbery of any kind. I understand a lot of people think that Angela Hill won and look, it was, it was a coin toss. Yeah. Angela Hill outstruck her a little bit in that fifth round, but uh, it's easy it's easy to make that distinction when you have the analytics after the fight and you see the numbers, you know, she had, she landed five more significant strikes or 10 more significant strikes, whatever it was. But while you're watching it live, you, you know, I dare anybody to be able to tell me when that round ended, who, who landed more strikes. Um, you know, it's hard because Michelle Waterson was throwing these flurries and, and a lot of the strikes maybe weren't landing, but, they look like they were landing and that's all you need sometimes. So congratulations to Michelle Waterson. Hopefully they put their political differences aside. Maybe we're going to see like the ultimate fighter team Democrat versus team Republican. <laughs> and we have, you know, the coaches are, you know, you have a, uh, a conservative coach and a liberal coach. And uh, I guess you, you end up on a team based on your, political persuasion. I don't know. Um, maybe they could have a little bit of fun with this. I think it's too late since, you know, we have an election in like a month and a half and, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time to put one of these shows together, but just an idea. Hey, maybe in 2024 we do it like this. And, uh, you, you know, you have like Colby Covington <laughs> coach one team and, and somebody who's a Democrat coach the other team and be fun. Um, yeah, so I don't give a shit about any of that stuff people were arguing about beforehand. They're like, oh, I can't believe she's voting for her. I hope she gets beat up. All right. <laughs> you know, whatever makes it fun for you. 
whatever makes it fun for you. Um, co-main event, uh, Atman Azaitar getting the first round TKO over Kama Worthy. I, I guess you could call it an early stoppage. I I wasn't mad about it. Uh, I know Kama Worthy wasn't happy with it, uh, but Azaitar dropped him, and the way he fell, he did what I call like a double fall where he kind of went down and then it looked like he went out as he started a face plant and he did land on his hands. But if you're Herb Dean, you're looking at that thinking like, man, he might already be out. And I counted six unanswered blows to the side of the head uh, from a Zytar. Uh, and then Herb Dean stepped in there pretty quick. And you know, those six blows were thrown in about half a second. Uh, you know, he was just railing them in there. And yeah, Kamalworthy didn't do anything to defend those strikes, but he, there there also wasn't enough time. It was quick. He did stand up right away. He did look a little bit out of it. If you tell me it was an early stoppage, I'll tell you okay. If you tell me it was a good stoppage, I'll tell you okay. That's kind of where I am with that. I know I'm I'm giving very ambiguous uh, analysis to a lot of this stuff, um, but that that's just how I saw it. Um, you know, Zaitar undefeated fighting out of Morocco. So that's interesting to have a Moroccan fighter, uh, on a, on a UFC main card. I don't know if that's something that's happened before. Feel free to correct me on that. Uh, so that was fun. Roxanne Montefiore getting the win over Andrea Lee. This was a fun fight. Uh, this one was, was very back and forth. Unanimous decision for Roxanne Mataferi, so a little less controversy than the main event, but uh, still a lot of people out there who thought Andrea Lee, um, you know, should have gotten the nod here. I thought Roxanne definitely did enough to win this fight, so I won't be ambiguous about this one. I thought Roxanne won this fight. Her grappling, uh, you know, looked really good, especially that one single leg, I think was in the second round. It was a little push-pull, run the pipe. Beautiful takedown. Beautiful takedown. Head on the inside, pushed her one way, and when she started pushing back, she ran the pipe, which means she just pulled her leg down to the strong side. Uh, very nice takedown. Her grappling looks great. Um, her striking is very unorthodox, I would say. You know, a little bit wacky. She's a little bit all over the place, but when you're all over the place, you're hard to hit. Uh, Andrea Lee has much cleaner, crisper striking. Uh, her hands were a little quicker. You know, she was able to touch Roxanne up, especially in that first round. Um, but Roxanne looked better all around. Uh, you know, her all around game, uh, was just more complete. I thought she was a more complete fighter, uh, rematch from a long while ago. I can look up, uh, exactly when that was, but it was a very competitive fight. It was a very fun fight. Um, and, you know, Roxanne has been very hot and cold, you know, coming off the loss to Lauren Murphy, that huge win over Macy Barber, that loss to Jennifer Maya. But Jennifer Maya was like 50 pounds overweight in that fight. Um, and then she had that win over Antonina Shevchenko, where she played the spoiler, the loss to Sajara Eubanks, who also missed weight. Um, so if you're looking at her, now that I'm looking at her record, um, you know, if you take a, if you take away the losses to the fighters that that didn't make weight, which I'm willing to do, um, 
you know, she's she's been looking pretty good, actually. I take away my statement about her being hot and cold. All right, so she last fought Andrea Lee in December of 2014. That was Invicta FC 10, and she won a split decision that time. So, um, you know, 2-0 against Andrea Lee. What can you say? 37 years old, still in there, uh, you know, killing it. She's got uh, she's got over 40 fights under her belt. A true veteran, Roxanne Modafferi. So it's happy to see her get the W. Um, you know, seems like a, a really nice, genuinely nice person, which you always like to see them do well. All right, let's get on to the performance of the night. And I'm not talking about bonuses here. I'm talking about Ed Herman, <laughs> Mike Rodriguez. So somewhere in the second round, Ed Herman takes a knee to the solar plexus and referee Cristioni thought that it was a low blow and Ed Herman just kind of went with it. <laughs> it was, I mean, the knee was like, he need him like in the right nipple, it, which is, I don't know if you guys are anatomy experts out there. It's pretty far from the testicles. Uh, unless he's got some kind of weird, like chestnut syndrome. <laughs> where his testicles live in his chest cavity. Uh, <laughs> this was not a low blow. Uh, so Ed Herman took this time to recover, and he was like kind of grabbing his cup and, and really selling it. They were talking about him getting an Academy Award. So that's why I call it the performance of the night. He used that time to recover. Um, and then in the third round, he was trying to take Mike Rodriguez down. He held onto a single leg too long, which... Uh, if you guys have listened to the show for any period of time, I always say never hold on to a single leg in MMA because both of your hands are tied up and you can't defend yourself. He was taking some vicious elbows to the side of the head, almost got knocked out. Uh, referee Chris uh, Tioni was about to step in there. He was like, Ed, you got to show me something. You got to show me something. Finally, Ed let go of that single leg. And uh, I, I tell guys all the time in the gym who, who are thinking about doing MMA, like if you get a hold of a single leg, you know, even if you're just doing jujitsu, like transition to something or let it go. Uh, and it, it's got to be about three to five seconds. You can't be hanging on to a single leg. If you have a double leg, it's a little bit different. You can you can fight that a little bit longer just because they have to use at least one hand to fight that off properly. They have to get a whizzer. They have to fight for an underhook. Uh, so at least one hand is going to be occupied. They can't be blasting you in the side of the head like they can when you're holding on to a single leg. So this was strike two for Ed Herman. This is the second time he got saved because the fight could have been stopped there. And then it went to the ground and, and Mike Rodriguez was just beating the piss out of him. And, and the folks I was watching the fight with can tell you, I was sitting there going, I don't need to see any more of this fight. Uh, you, you know, it, it should be stopped here. Ed Herman was just getting abused on the ground. Then out of nowhere, he grabs a Kimura from half guard uses it to sweep Rodriguez and then continues to keep bending his arm behind his back. Rodriguez actually tapped twice. In my opinion, he reached his hand uh, under Ed Herman's legs at one point and reached up to tap. And then he got rolled over. He reached again to tap. Uh, the referee didn't see it. So I guess we're even now like Ed Herman got saved twice. And then, the, the tap wasn't seen, wasn't seen twice. Uh, and then Ed Herman stepped over Rodriguez's head 
Uh, and, and once you do that, you're able to put so much leverage and he just torqued the shit out of Mike Rodriguez's shoulder. Uh, it, it was painful to watch. I was, I was actually yelling at the TV, tap, tap, tap. And he did. Ed Herman let go. Uh, and when Ed was interviewed after the fight by Michael Bisping, he was like, oh, I don't know what happened in the second round there. I know I went down. I don't know if it was to the body or if it was a low blow or what. I have to look at it, see how bad it was. So, <laughs> you know, that's his story, and he's sticking to it. <laughs> I mean, everybody watching at home saw the replay. They saw him get kneed in the solar plexus and knocked the wind out of him. That's a painful place to get kneed. I don't know if anybody's ever been kneed there before, but if you have, it's so painful. It, it, it's like getting stabbed in the chest, like stabbed in the heart, uh, and it can take your breath away. But he was given that time to recover by the referee. He went with it. I guess he could have been honest and been like, no, I, I got dropped. Um, but I don't know of any fighters who are going to do that. Possibly Joe Lozon is the only one I can think of who's in the corner of Mike Rodriguez. The nice thing about this is Brett Akamoto, who I trust very much, reported that Mike Rodriguez was paid his win bonus. Um, you know, he's still going to get that loss on his record, that submission loss. Um but at least he was compensated financially uh, because he should have won the fight. It should have been stopped uh, when he needed Herman in the chest. And, uh, you know, the referee made a mistake. He was at a bad angle. And uh, it, it was deceiving how high that knee came up. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe it was the way Ed fell because uh, he fell and his eyes stayed on Mike Rodriguez usually. Um, and, and that's just a veteran move. You know, usually when you get the wind knocked out of you, you kind of slump over, but, uh, you know, Ed kept eye contact with his opponent and, uh, maybe that's what sold it. I don't know. Bobby green looked fantastic against Alon Patrick. Um, it, you know, this, this fight, Alon Patrick just dove for a takedown at the opening bell, wound up pulling Bobby green on top of him, And then it was just downhill from there. Bobby green just whooped that ass for 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, Bobby green looks great, man. He's, he's been super disciplined lately. So it's nice to see a focused Bobby green. He's got goals. He wants, you know, he wants to buy a house for his family. That's three big wins in a row. You know, can't coming off that big win over Lando Venata. And before that, a win over Clay Guida. Early in his career, man, the guy was reckless, uh, you know, and he got away with it a lot. He was knocking people out. And, um, you know, back in his King of the Cage days, uh, you know, just just a fierce dude. And now he is super composed. Now, now that he's got, gotten over there with Pinnacle MMA, uh, he's looked phenomenal. And 34 years old, he's really having a resurgence in his career, and it's awesome to see for him. Uh, very exciting fighter. Of course, we already talked about Billy Q. Big win over Kyle Nelson. Uh, Sajara Eubanks, unanimous decision over Julia Vila. This was a very back-and-forth fight. Very exciting. A lot of people were talking about this one being the fight of the night. Of course, it went to the main event, as it often does. Uh, the biggest upset of the night, Kevin Kroom. 31-second submission over Roosevelt Roberts. Now, this was supposed to be one of my other buddies, Matt, the steamroller Frivola fighting Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, but unfortunately, in his last sparring session, for those of you who didn't hear the whole story, threw a kick. The kick was checked. 
and uh, he broke his foot. Not only did he break his foot, but he did some ligament damage to his foot. So he immediately flew out to the UFC PI. Uh, I was actually talking to him right before it happened or right after it happened. The, the timeline's a little hazy right now. Flew immediately to the UFC PI, had the UFC doctors take a look at it. He asked them to give him a cortisone shot uh, so he could fight. And uh, they told him no. They said they wouldn't do that because it would only do more damage since it wasn't just a fracture. It was um, a, a torn ligament, as the MRI showed. So they wouldn't let him fight. So unfortunately, this is two fights in a row that that uh, Matt Frivola hasn't been able to fight. Uh, the last one was because his corner man, coincidentally, Billy Quarantillo, tested positive for coronavirus. And uh, now the broken foot. So just a string of bad luck. I, I got to think that we won't see the steamroller back in the cage until 2021, but who knows? That guy's fucking superhuman. Uh, he might heal like the Wolverine and get back in there quick. So unfortunate. Uh, but a big deal for Kevin Kroon, who stepped up on two or three days notice. And I saw a tweet from this guy um, that, that really uh, struck a chord with me where he said, Last week I had $64 in my bank account and I was trying to figure out a way to make it 65. Uh, and, and, you know, he got a 31 second submission in his UFC debut and a, a fight of the night, $50,000 bonus. So um, you got to feel for that, man. Cause you know, I see these guys in the gym that, that just pour everything into this sport, you know, every part of themselves. They're, they're putting into this and they sacrifice so much. And um, the, I, I know guys who've been in that situation where they only got a couple of bucks in the bank and uh, you know, to be able to get an opportunity like this and capitalize on it. Uh, awesome for Kevin Kroom. He dropped Roberts with a left hook. That was really nice. Dove on top of him, snatched up that modified guillotine. You know, it's a real funny looking guillotine. You got you usually have to have like, longer arms to pull this off because it's like a rear naked choke grip where you, you're reaching under the chain you're grabbing your own bicep and you're able to put that pressure down and uh you know he executed it perfectly threw his hips into it and he was really uh cranking roberts's neck around and uh, got to tap 31 seconds of the first round very impressive uh, alexander roman romanoff against uh roke martinez uh Arm triangle choke at the end of the second round. This fight was just a one-sided beating. Uh, it, it it should have been stopped in the first round. Um, I don't know what was going on with the referee in this fight, but Romanov had Martinez mounted, and he was just beating the fuck out of him. Uh, and Martinez wasn't doing anything to move. All he was doing was shelling up. He wasn't moving his hips at all to try and escape the mount. He wasn't trying to recover his guard. He was just covering his face uh, and and getting punched in the face. This is not intelligent defense. Uh, I think this one should have been stopped a little bit sooner. It was more of the same. Romanov was getting tired from punching Martinez. It was like uh, Homer Simpson, where Homer Simpson used to just let people punch him until he got until they got tired, and then he would just do the the one punch and, and knock him over uh, for any of you uh, Simpson fans out there. I might be dating myself with that reference. Is the Simpsons even a, even a thing anymore? 
I know it's on Disney Plus. So maybe some of you young folks out there with uh, Disney Plus have been catching up on The Simpsons. If you haven't, go back and watch the episode where Homer Simpson is a boxer. It's a classic. I need a little tequila for my throat here. All right. So, uh, yeah, that was that. And then Jalen Turner looked awesome against Brock Weaver. Completely outclassed him everywhere. Looked like he knocked him out in the second round, dropped him real hard, and, and kind of walked off. But Herb Dean was like, hey, where the fuck are you going? Uh, keep fighting here. Uh, so he just jumped on his back and choked him out. And uh, apparently Brock Weaver is into fighting dogs. So, you know, fuck that guy. So that's that. Um, big win for Jalen Turner, who took this fight on short notice. He was supposed to fight last week, and his fight fell apart. Uh, so fought tonight. I fought last night instead. Yeah. So uh, good night for him, the tarantula, who even brought one of his tarantulas to the weigh-in. That's an interesting way to intimidate an opponent, I suppose. Brian Barbarina, hard-fought victory over Anthony Ivey. That, that was a really close fight, uh, very back and forth. Uh, Brian Barbarina, man, he's just in a fucking war every time he gets in there. The guy doesn't know how to have, a, how to have an easy fight. Uh, they, they never seem to come his way, but Ivy looked good too. Sabina Mazo submitting Justine Kish. That was a big deal. Uh, late in the fight, uh, four minutes into the third round. Uh, and, and that was a very back and forth fight too. So big win for Mazo there. All right. So that was it, man. That was the fight night. Solid card up and down. We had some exciting finishes. We had some exciting decisions, a little bit of controversy, um, chestnut syndrome, you know, what else do you want out of a fight card? So next week, actually, before we get into that, I guess I could talk about Bellator a little bit. Uh, Phil Davis got a win over, uh, Leota Machida on Friday night. I'll be honest with you guys. I fell asleep during that fight. You know, it was late on a Friday. And I can't remember anything else from that card, and I don't have it in front of me. So that's that. And then Bellator 246 on Saturday night. Juan Archuleta, teammate of TJ Dillashaw, won the Bantamweight Championship against Patrick Mix, who was undefeated. Uh, Archuleta looked good, man. His hands are so fast. Co-main event, Neiman Gracie submitted John Fitch with a heel hook right at the end of the second round, just, uh, 13 seconds to go in the second round. And, um, you know, he grabbed a leg and it was a nasty heel hook. I saw it. I saw the, the, the clip of the ending. I didn't watch the whole fight, to be honest. I'm going to look at this card and see if there's anything I want to go back and watch. Uh, but yeah, from what I hear, John Fitch wants to retire after this fight and, I mean, what else do you have to prove if you're that guy? I don't think he's going to be fighting for a title anytime soon. He's got a few losses in recent memory, but uh, I always liked John Fitch. A lot of people thought he was boring in the UFC. That I think that's why they cut him. And then there was also some controversy about he didn't want to give the the rights to his 
persona for the video game or something. And they're like, all right, well, we'll just cut you. And he was like, all right, well, I'll just go to Bellator. And he did. And, you know, he had a good run over there too. Liz Carmouche, her Bellator debut, I believe, rear naked choke victory over Deanna Bennett in the third round. And nothing else catching my eye here. Short card. It was only eight, seven fights on this card. So uh, I, I guess they had uh, similar problems as the UFC did last week where they had some fights drop off. I don't know. Uh, if there's anything on this card that's worth checking out, let me know. looks like almost every fight went to distance or ended in the third round. The only one that was a second round finish was the Neiman Gracie John Fitch. Cool. Okay. Fun stuff. Fun stuff from Bellator. Let's look at UFC. Next week, UFC Fight Night 178, Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley. This is a weird one, man, because Tyron Woodley's been doing all of the publicity for this fight. Colby Covington has been doing none of it. So that's unusual, right? Because Colby's usually the one that's always doing all the talking, but he's been quiet. These guys used to be teammates. I'll throw the card up here so you guys can see what I'm looking at here. I don't know how well you can see this, but yeah. So Tyron Woodley coming off those two losses. So he lost his title to Kamaru Usman, the current champ. And then he lost to Gilbert Burns. Um, basically got dominated in both of those fights, which was shocking to see. Because uh, nobody treats Tyron Woodley like that. Except for the last two guys he fought, I suppose. So there's that. Uh, make this a little bigger so you guys can follow along here. Uh, but Tyron says that I guess he was going through some stuff in the in the camps for those fights and and now he's back to his old self. He's back to his old training methods. Uh, him and Colby had trained together at some point. Uh, so Tyron Woodley was was doing his camp with Jorge Masvidal, I believe, to kind of game plan for it. Covington, of course, coming off of that loss to Kamaru Usman. So they have that in common. That was a, a very fun fight. That was uh, very underrated. That was one of the best fights of 2019, I think. Really fun one. I, I think this is going to be a great fight, man. Uh, you know, of course, Tyron Woodley has that that one punch knockout power. He can he can take anybody out of there with one shot. But Colby Covington's never been knocked out, and a lot of people fall into this fallacy that because he acts like a goofball, that the guy can't fight. Colby Covington can fight, and Tyron Woodley knows he can fight. He's taking this very seriously. I think after the two losses, he's, you're you're going to see a, a Tyron Woodley who feels like he has something to prove. Uh, against a guy that he genuinely doesn't like uh, in Colby Covington, you know, because Colby's such a notorious shit talker and everything like that. Meanwhile, Colby's been quiet. I don't know who he's training with because he left American top team because of the drama with Jorge Masvidal. So I don't know who he's training with, who he's working with, who's coaching him. I don't know anything. He's been real quiet, which is so unusual for Colby. So, uh, you know, maybe he's just being humble because he's coming off of that loss for the championship. 
Uh, we'll see. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the winner of this. I don't know. It, I guess it'll depend on, on Usman's next fight. You know, if they're, I, I believe they're going to put him in there with Gilbert Burns. Uh, so I guess if Colby wins, he'll probably, you know, get another shot at the title. If Tyron wins, he'll probably have to take another fight uh, before they give him a title shot again. Cause you know that the UFC is going to stiff arm him from getting back to that title for as long as possible. Because according to them, he was a little bit difficult to work with while he was the champ. Co main event Cowboy Cerrone and Nico Price. How do you not love this fight? Uh, this is going to be. This is going to be madness for as long as it lasts. Um, it, if it goes past the first round, I'll, I'll favor Cowboy and his experience, and you know, being able to stay out of trouble. If he's if he's able to avoid early knockouts from Nico Price, who's very unorthodox, very unusual guy, and just a wild man in there. Um, it, if this fight doesn't last more than a round, then I would favor Nico Price. So I, for you gamblers out there, I don't know what kind of like over-under, if it goes more than a round, what, whatever kind of prop bets there are out there. But if you can bet, you know, who wins if it goes past the first round, I would bet Cowboy. And if you can bet who wins if it doesn't go past the first round, I would bet Nico Price. So there's that. Uh, Kamzat Chiamayev. Getting in there against Gerald Mearshart. So it's going to be his first fight in the United States. They're throwing him in the deep end, man. Uh, this guy was, was talking some wild stuff after his last two wins against, you know, not really well-known opponents. And, and one of them was on like two days notice or a week's notice or something. And he did look good. Uh, you know, I'll give him that as, you know, submission in his UFC debut against John Phillips and then uh, TKO over Reese McKee uh, just kind of blew through those guys. And I, I know a lot of people are high on this guy. He's undefeated, 8-0. He's coming out of that team in Sweden with Alexander Gustafsson and Lear Latifi and those guys. But it, it, if you look at his schedule, he's never fought anybody as experienced as Gerald Mearshart. And granted, I know he feels confident for what he could do in the gym, but Gerald Mearshart's a guy with, with over 40 fights. Uh, th this guy's been fighting forever. He's got uh, 10 fights in the UFC. He's tied for the most submission wins in uh, UFC middleweight history. Comes out of a great camp over there with Duke Rufus and Wisconsin. And, yeah, he's coming off a tough loss to uh, Ian Heinish. Got knocked out in, in a minute and 14 seconds. But this is a durable guy. This is not a guy that you're going to break in the first round um, and just, and just uh, bulldoze. Um, this is going to be a big test for Chiamayev. And, of course, the controversy here is, they already booked Chiamayev's next fight in October against Damian Maya. So Gerald Mearshart, understandably so, took that personally and said that Chiamayev's not going to be able to, he's not going to leave the cage in any condition and be fighting in a month. And uh, when a guy with 40-something fights tells you that, you kind of got to take him at his word. Uh, I'm favoring Mearshart in this fight. Uh, I know everybody's high on Chiamayev, but... I, I just don't see him being able to do to a veteran what he did to 
the younger guys that were showing up on last minute in Fight Island. Um, it's also going to be his first fight in the United States, so you have to, you know, consider will that kind of travel affect him to to come to a fight? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Mark Fellows wants to know if he if I can start the show again because he just came back. No, I cannot, Mark. Um, but I can pour some more tequila if that's a if that's a good compromise for you. It's because maybe if I have enough tequila, I'll forget what I already talked about and talk about it again. So it's a roll of the dice here. Johnny Walker and Ryan Spann. Of course, Johnny Walker had the wind knocked out of his sails first by himself uh, when he did the worm after his victory over Misha Serkinov and dislocated his shoulder. Then he got knocked out by Corey Anderson and then lost the decision to Nikita Krylov. Um, I gotta, I gotta give you, I gotta give you Ryan Span on this one, man. Um, I just think, you know, the flashy flying knee stuff. Like, there's enough, there's enough tape on Johnny Walker that guys will be prepared for him now. I think when he first got in the UFC, it was a little unusual. He was very explosive. People didn't really know about him. And, um, you know, he was able to do it. I see Ryan Spann being able to get it done on the feet here. So there's that. I'm, I mean, if you lose your money on that, I'm sorry. But that's what I think. That's why I don't like to give picks. People are always uh, DMing me like, Bill, what do you think about this fight? Who's going to win? And, and, and I know it's because they're degenerate gamblers and <laughs> they think I'm some kind of expert. But this is not the kind of sport where it's like, you can just put some X's and O's into a formula and figure out, you know, how to make money. It doesn't work like that. There's all kinds of surprises and hidden rabbits in this game. Mackenzie Dern and Random Marcos. So Mackenzie Dern coming off her first loss. So she's going to look to get that one back. Random Marcos is going to be a tough test for her. You know, she's, she's a tough veteran. Actually, Mackenzie Dern had a win after that loss to Amanda Hebos. She submitted Hannah Cyphers with that knee bar back in May. Everything's kind of blending together because of the whole pandemic thing. Uh, you know, Random Marcos is going to be a tough test for Mackenzie Dern. Uh, if Dern's not able to get her to the ground, it, it's it's going to be a little tough for her um, because her her striking's still very green. Let's say. Very green. Uh, so, uh, and, and Randa Marco is a very accomplished uh, grappler as well. You know, she's got four submission victories. Um, I don't know if any of them are in the UFC. Feel free to correct me on that. Um, but, you know, she has been submitted in the past too. And this is a fun fight. Fun fight. Okay, what else we got here? Miguel Baeza against unknown fighter. Can't wait for this one. Thanks, sure dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, the undefeated Miguel Baeza is going to be fighting somebody. Uh, we don't know. It could be, could be anybody. So it, it could be uh, Kamzat Chimaev. You know, the, the way that guy talks, he, he'll say, like, he needs a warm-up fight before he gets in there with Mearshart. Because last time he was interviewed, he's like, yeah, I'll fight Khabib and Adesanya and, and Usman all in the same night. Just line them up. <laughs> so... There's that. Kevin Holland, I'm excited to see back against Darren Stewart. That's a really fun fight. That's uh that's gonna be my sleeper pick. 
Make sure you guys tune in for that one. And there's a lot of fight. There's 14 fights on this card. So I maybe they're overbooking because they're uh they're they're worried about fighters dropping off or whatever. Mursad Bektik against Luis Eduardo Garagori. Okay. Jordan Espinosa against David Vorak. Jessica Rose Clark against Sarah Alpar. Randy Costa against Journey Newsome. Andre Yule against Erwin Rivera. And then we got Derek Minner against TJ Laramie. So let me know in uh, in the comments and, and uh, on social media what you guys are looking forward to the most. I got to say this main event is really interesting especially because Colby's been so quiet and I guess they haven't been doing like the press conferences or anything, but usually he gets his own camera crew and, and whatever else. And, um, you know, does his own media. Oh, and before I forget our, our friend of the show, of course, uh, Serena De Jesus, who is our guest co-host last week, she's going to be fighting Saturday night Titan FC. I think I'm able to announce that if not, oops, because uh, last week uh, we weren't allowed to say the promotion yet, but yeah, she's going to be fighting for them. It's going to be on UFC fight pass. So please check that out. Please support her. Please follow her at Serena Southpaw on social media. Uh, awesome person. A uh, good friend of the show. Uh, she's been on here probably half a dozen times. Always, always a fan favorite. Everybody loves when Serena comes on and especially when she swears and, and gets pissed off about things and, Everything like that. So please do support Miss De Jesus in her fight next week. Of course, she's a teammate of Roxanne Modafferi coming off that big win over Andrea Lee last night. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Maestro Dobell. They're not a sponsor, but you know, some of my opinions may have been influenced by them over the course of the last 50 minutes or so. And that's it. Again, MMA on the Rocks sweatshirts, hoodies now available. From Team Reaper, Rip Life One. The thing I love about Team Reaper is they're one, they're a local company, which is why they, I partnered up with them to start doing the uh, clothing during the pandemic because I wanted to support a local business. I'm, I'm big on that, as you guys know. Local breweries, local businesses, local distilleries, uh, all that stuff. You know, whatever's relevant to the show, of course. Uh, what I love about them is. They support local fighters from amateur to professional. Uh, they take care of their guys. They give them opportunities to make money by selling their, their fight t-shirts and, and things like that. And uh, they, they support the local uh, community fighters, which is an awesome thing because I know a lot of them. And, um, you know, like we were saying about Kroom before, you know, $64 in the bank account trying to make it 65 you know, there's a lot of fighters out there in that situation. They're trying to make their dreams come true. and It's not an easy thing to do financially. It takes a lot of sacrifice. So um, big props to Rip Life One, Team Reaper, for, for taking care of the fighters the way they do in the local community. Uh, they just signed a bunch of new fighters as well, too. So make sure you guys follow Team Reaper on social media and uh, see what other fun stuff they're doing. They, they make a lot of cool... Uh, fight gear, fight clothing, accessories, stuff like that. So give them a follow. You know, even if you're even if you're not going to buy an MMA on the Rocks shirt or, or sweatshirt, 
uh, that's cool. Go go support uh, some some fighters. They they have some cool designs and things like that. I understand not everybody wants to wear an over the top under the influence shirt. It's not uh, it's not for everybody. I understand this is a niche thing that we do here. Uh, and we're still missing Jeff the Animal Wilson, of course. You know he's getting settled in his new job. He, he's sorting some things out in his life. Nothing negative going on. You know he just uh, can't take the time to do the podcast every week, which of course we understand and, and we support him and everything he does. But um, you know make sure you touch base with the animal at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure he's doing well. Send him some love. And uh, you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at Amanda Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm a pretty accessible, pretty accessible guy. I try to respond to everybody. Try to interact with everybody, especially if you listen to the show. But even if you don't, I like talking booze and MMA. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there on social media I interact with who probably never even listen to the show. And that's cool, too. You know, we're all just having a good time. Anyway, I hope you guys don't want to see uh, somebody who supports a politician that you don't like. I hope you don't want to see them get beat up. I, I hope there's none of you out there. And if there is, and, and that's how it, you make things fun for yourself, and that's cool, too. All right. That's it. That's all I got for this week. I've been talking for an hour straight. I got to I gotta wet my throat with some more tequila here because it, it's getting a little dry. So, um I guess a short one this week. I try to keep it under an hour anyway. Now I'm just rambling. I'll let you guys go. All right. Awesome fights this weekend. Awesome fights next weekend. Awesome fights every weekend. There's football on. I'm not watching it, but you guys might be watching it. So have fun with that. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>